Hello, everybody. Welcome to the, this episode of Topical Brainstorm. I'm your host, Garrett Fox, and this is my co-host, Christian Larson. Christian, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Garrett? Doing pretty well. What do you uh, think of this chapter? Um, I liked it. I thought there was a lot of good stuff in there, and the main principle of this chapter is become genuinely interested in other people, which I definitely think is key in um, in getting people to like you or being able to influence people. So I think there's a lot to learn. There definitely is. I have a very hard time, um, ge- like genuinely wanting to get to know people especially right at first which i think is kind of interesting because in this chapter he mentions that we like people who like us um and that are interested in us we become interested in, in other people when they're interested in us that's definitely how i am i'm not usually the initiator of the interest um I take interest in people after they take interest in me. And maybe I I definitely need to learn how to flop that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um I think that's true. I definitely think it's it's easier to show interest in people when they when they do it first. Um but one I guess one of the reasons we're reading this book is to is to switch that, you know, is to be able to to be the initiator in those situations. And um, it is interesting because the first part of this chapter starts out talking about how um, people are pretty obsessed with themselves. Um, There was one study done by a telephone company in New York that found the most used word in in um, 500 telephone conversations, and they found out that the word I, the personal pronoun I, is used, was used um, almost 4,000 times in 500 conversations, which was by far the most used word, which um, I thought was interesting and I think proves the point that people are pretty much um, just concerned and obsessed with themselves. And so when you show interest in people, um, that gets them talking about themselves, which which most people like, and then um, in turn makes it a lot easier to connect and to win friends. I agree. People are definitely obsessed with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a bunch of narcissists, man. Yeah. For real. It's so weird, though, because there's people that I can think of that are definitely way good at interacting with other people. Like, let's take my my brother-in-law, Lance. I don't know if I'm allowed to drop his name, but I just did. So there you go, Lance. Uh, He's very good at talking to people and showing interest in them he's he always asks me like he we have we have really good conversations because he i feel like he actually cares about the things that i i say and then he in turn that makes me care about like his input on things so that's just one example of of how i'm obsessed with myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's interesting 
how that works. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, a, a real life example just from two or three days ago, me and my wife went to, we were running some errands and we needed to get gas in our car. And so my wife loves Maverick. She basically refuses to get gas anywhere else. So we were driving in this part of town we didn't really know, but I, I looked over and I saw a Maverick. So I pointed it out. We drove over there and uh, it was kind of busy. And Kylie is used to having, because we, we got, we replaced her car. I guess it's been like 10 months now, but her whole life before that, the gas, um, where you fill up on gas was on her, on the passenger side, on her old car. And now it's on the driver's side. And so she always like pulls in the wrong way and then has to (laughs) back out and pull in the right way. But, um, it was just, it happened to be where all the spots that worked for our car were taken. And like the one that looked open was like out of order, out of service. So, um, she like goes around a couple times. She like pulls in behind the guy to wait. And then like one spot opens up and this trucker like takes it. And then, and then he gets out of his car and goes inside and, and we sit there for 20 minutes while <laughs> people like cut her off or like <laughs> sneak into different spots and then park their cars and go into the gas station, which I think is just like so self-centered of a thing to do, you know, cause you like, you see someone's waiting you take a spot and then you don't even fill up your car. You just go inside. It's like, why not park somewhere else? Anyway, the point is like people put themselves ahead of other people, you know, which is, it's annoying Oh, for sure. But we all do it in our own ways. And like in that situation, like no one really cared that they were making us wait for a long time. Um, and they just thought about themselves first, even though we were obviously like, trying to form a line and like parked our car waiting to get an open spot. Um, but I think that's, that's how most things are in life. And I mean, that's like a negative example, but when you're in conversation with somebody, it's, it's good to remember that those people are much more concerned about what they're concerned about, not what you care about. And if you, like you said, with your brother-in-law, if you, try to dig into that with someone else, they're much much more likely to reciprocate that and they're going to instantly feel like you're concerned about them and like you more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I really like the story about the uh, famous magician Mm. that he talked about. Howard Thurston was the famous magician's name. Uh, and his philosophy on magic wasn't that he knew the most magic or that, um, you know, he was the best. His whole philosophy on magic was, I love my audience. And that's what really made him successful. Um, he was well rehearsed in his act and he would tell himself every night before he went out that I love my audience. I love my audience. I love my audience. And, that's why I'm able to perform the way I am instead of as opposed to a lot of other magicians that he knows knew that would look at the audience and say, man, they're a bunch of suckers. I'm going to fool them. And that's how he was able to be as successful as he was. I've personally never heard of the guy. I guess he was probably pretty big back in the 1936 when this was written. (laughs) Yeah. 
But yeah, I guess he made over two million dollars um, in profit by his with his act. So that's a lot for especially back then. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting mindset because I like I don't know much about that type of you know magic or that magician lifestyle, but I would assume that most magicians look at their audience as as suckers you know like yeah they're just tricking them to get money and uh so that was yeah probably a pretty unique perspective at the time to like be grateful for the people who were coming to see you and i think i would assume that applies to to a lot of things you know to a lot of business endeavors like if you're trying to sell somebody anything if you're if you're just looking to like fool them thinking like, how can I sucker this person to give me money? Um, you're not going to come off as very likable. And I'm sure a lot of people make money that way. But if you actually want to um, leave a good impression or um, get returning customers and, you know, returning friends, um, applying this principle of showing genuine interest is, is uh, going to be much more successful than trying to trick people. Yeah, that's why I've never been able to do, like, summer sales. Yeah. Because I just feel, if I'm going to sell something, I sure as heck better believe in that product, man. Like, I cannot sell something that I'm like, ah. I feel like a lot of salespeople are just, like, little con men, you know? Yeah. I hate it. Definitely that reputation. Dude, used car salesmen, the worst. What was that? Used car salesmen are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first time when <clears throat> when I went car shopping with my dad when I was 16, because he was looking into just getting me, you know, some cheap used car. Um, we went to this one place, and the guy was like, definitely the stereotype sleazy salesman. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> One thing he said was like, yeah, your first car, it's the most memorable. He like said that over and over. And uh, that's still something me and my dad say all the time. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, But I mean, it's, yeah, that stereotype exists. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people see, you know, sales that way or business that way. But um, it's definitely not, you know as far as feeling good about what you do, it's not the way to go, you know, when it comes to selling stuff. Yeah. As far as, uh, selling stuff goes, like I don't have a lot of experience. Um, but this chapter does talk a lot about making friends. And I feel like if you're going to sell something to someone, you should kind of try to become their friend in some way, at least have some sort of working relationship with them, you know? Um, And one thing that he talks about is uh, he says, you can make friends, you can make more friends in two months by becoming genuinely interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. So if you're going to try to sell something or if you're, let's say you're selling your friendship, you know, the best way to, to sell that friendship to someone is to try to buy their friendship, I guess, by being interested in them. 
Yeah, well said. Does that make Yeah. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean I think it if if by buying someone's friendship you mean asking questions and showing interest in them, then yes, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean not you're not gonna yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Another quote that is, I think, very related to that one basically says the same thing, but it says, if we merely try to impress people and get people interested in us, we will never have many true, sincere friends. Friends, real friends, are not made that way. Um, I like that quote, too, because I think it's easy to to fall into the trap that if you think... Like, oh, if I tell people what I'm studying in school, they're going to think that I'm successful or that I'm smart or that I'm interesting. Or or if I know how to, if I play this sport really well, people are going to like me more. Or if I, you know, can play this instrument, I'm going to be cool. But um, that's really just not how it works because people may, like, compliment you on that and be like, oh, that's cool. But if that's what you're focused on in your interactions with new people, um, it's not going to lead to anything sincere or any good relationship. Yeah, that's super true, man. People don't really care, uh, about you until say, I'm sure you've heard that saying, like people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. It's the, that's what this principle is like. If you're genuinely interested in other people, then they then they'll care about you. If you care about them, they care about you. Mm. Um, and by talking yourself up, first of all, most of the time, you just come off as some cocky b-word, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's this is a a principle that is pretty common sense, but it's so hard to put into practice, you know? Yeah, it is. And it's also, I think a lot of times when you start asking people questions, it can come off as just like creepy or, you know, too much if the person's not that interested in talking at the time, you know? Yeah. So I, I think there's a balance. And again, like all principles, I think it just it takes practice to get good at. Um, yeah. There's one story about, it talks about Theodore Roosevelt in this chapter, which I really liked. Um, everyone loved the guy. And uh, a part of that was he would do little things for people. It talks about how he... Um, he had a his his valet, so his driver basically. He was having a conversation, and the driver or the wife of the driver um, asked Theodore Roosevelt about a bobwhite, which I don't even know what that is. I'm assuming it's a little animal. I, th- I think it might be a deer. A deer. But I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> Should have uh, done some research, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, one day after that conversation they get a phone call at their cottage from the president and he's like, Hey, there's one right outside your window. Like make sure your wife goes and takes a look, which like that's something small, but that's obviously a very thoughtful thing to do, especially coming from the president of the United States. Who's obviously got, got a lot on his plate. And then 
another part of that story, apparently he knew every single person's name who worked in the White House, like all the servants, everybody. Um, and he greeted them by their name, which I think is another very powerful thing. Um, and it's another thing that just shows shows his interest in those people, you know, shows that he doesn't think he's better than them. Um, and it makes sense why everyone loved him so much. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just, like, obviously I've never worked in, like, this giant corporation before or anything like that. But I can't imagine working a place at a place where uh, my boss like doesn't know my name or who I am. Yeah, I feel like that that would be really weird. Yeah, yeah, I haven't really experienced that either. I'm sure it'll happen eventually, but yeah, unless I, unless we make it big, you know. <laughs> And then and then we'll have to learn the names of everybody working for us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I think the favorite my favorite sentence that I've read in this book so far was in this chapter. Um it talks about making friends and it says, if we want to make friends, let's put ourselves out to do things for other people, things that require time, energy, unselfishness, and thoughtfulness. Um which again is is common sense, as we can say about a lot of things in this book. But I think that's truly what um, what allows you to make sincere friendships. Um, and things like remembering someone's name or calling someone when you see a Bob White in their front yard, those are just little examples of things that took time and energy and thoughtfulness. Um, and they're not huge things, but they mean a lot to people. Yeah. They do. I think that kind of goes along with the story of Martin Ginsburg. The uh, the kid that was... Uh, he was 10 years old at the time, and he was stuck in the hospital during Thanksgiving for... Uh, he had a surgery scheduled for the next day, and his mom couldn't go, come visit him that day and his dad had passed away. So he was really, really lonely. And this nurse could like hear him crying. And she came in and stayed with him. Uh, she was ske scheduled to get off at four o'clock, but she ended up staying with him till 11 that night. And they had dinner together. She like brought in some some turkey and mashed potatoes and some cranberry sauce. And um, he's, he said it was one of the most memorable Thanksgivings that he's had. And every year at Thanksgiving, he can't help but remember that. Mm -hmm. um, and she really went out of her way. She, uh, sorry, she really put time and energy and was unselfish and was very thoughtful about how she went about comforting uh, Martin for sure that story was yeah that was impressive um as I've said my wife is a nurse and nurses have a tough job you know yeah like they go into work they have any number of patients they're constantly having to like give them pills on time and do treatments and make sure they're all okay and I mean 
I'm sure it's changed a lot since 1930, but they also work, they used to work like 24 hour shifts or 12, and my wife works 12 hour shifts. That's a long time. And then the fact that this nurse stayed for an extra, what was it, seven hours after her shift? Yeah. On Thanksgiving. That's a, that's a, that's a huge sacrifice, but it obviously had in return a huge impact on this kid's life. And, um, I think that's a great example of, yeah, like you said, being unselfish. And um, she obviously had an influence on him. Yeah. Do you think that most people in the world are unselfish today or or selfish? Um, I, think, I think everybody has their circle of people, you know, friends and family that yeah. they would do that they would be very unselfish for, you know, that they would do almost anything for. Yeah. Um, I think everybody is unselfish, you know, with, with at least with their people. Um, but I think it's pretty rare to find an individual who's unselfish for random people and strangers. Yeah, I agree. I guess that's really what we need to strive to to be though is that unselfish person for everybody that's how you make friends yeah <laughs> that uh yeah what you just said reminded me of uh some scripture in the bible i uh i would have had it memorized but it talks about how i think it's when jesus is maybe it's like the sermon on the mount or something but he talks about like what good does loving your your friend give you you know like everybody loves their friends but it's like loving your enemies and oh yeah and um i think that applies in this situation also to loving random people you know because they're not they may not be your enemy but they're not your friend and like showing acts of when you sacrifice your own time i think that's the same as an act of love you know um and doing that for for anyone who's not a friend i think that's a rare thing in this world and i think that will have a big impact on those people. Yeah. I think giving your time is probably the most unselfish thing you can do because it's really the only thing we have is, is time. Um, and it's definitely a set number of time that we have on this earth. So anytime you're willing to give that up for someone, or I guess what I want to say is anytime someone's willing to give that up for you, you should uh, definitely consider that person a friend. Yeah. Um, did you mention that? One example from my life from this past week, um, I went camping with my in-laws. They usually do a yearly you went as camping trip, and they have a trailer, and me and Kylie stay in a tent. But we were up there for about four days, and coming back, unloading and cleaning up a trailer is is quite a quite a chore. And it was Sunday morning, and we were leaving, and and we were carpooling with with Kylie's sister. But I was expecting us to just get dropped off at our apartment on the way home because because Taylor drove and everything, and that's what we'd done in the past. Um, but Taylor asked us if we could if we would come over back to Bountiful, which is about 20 minutes out of the way, and help unload the trailer. 
And at first I was upset about it because <laughs> I was just like, I want to get home. I want to take a shower. I feel filthy. I'm tired. It's hot. Um, but we, we went and we, we got there to their house before they did. So we sat around for like half an hour and, uh, I didn't have the best attitude about it, but once, once Mike <laughs> got there with the trailer, my father-in-law, um, we were able to help them unload it. And I had never done that before. And I, I realized how much work it was. And um, my, my mother-in-law had a headache, so she was going to have a hard time helping. And um, end of the story is, I after we'd done it, I was very glad that we were able to serve them and sacrifice that time for them. And they were very appreciative. Um, and I wish I'd had a good attitude about it the whole time. But that was a reminder to me um, that I was being a little selfish and, uh, that those, yeah, like you said, sacrificing time goes a long way. Um, cause it can mean a lot to, to the people that you're sacrificing your time for. Yeah. You never really know how, what you do actually affects other people. Uh, and probably you may never know how much of an impact you actually make on on the people around you. Um, and a lot of people make very big, uh, impacts on a lot of people. I'm trying to think of someone in my life that has made an impact and there's a lot. I can't think of one specifically right now though. Maybe next week I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll enlighten. <laughs> All right. I'll try to, uh, hold you accountable to that. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think there are definitely, like I can think of a couple coaches and um, piano teachers even. Like I never liked playing the piano, but I had some piano teachers who were obviously trying to help me looking back at it now, you know, and I'm thankful for the effort. they. I mean, they were getting paid for it, but like, not not as much with the coaches, but there have definitely been people in my life that I can look back on, and I'm thankful that they cared, you know, that they showed interest. And I guess specifically one soccer coach I had for four or five years growing up who, you know, we had like two games a week and practice at least once a week, and I don't think he was making much money from it, but he was always there, you know. Like he spent, he put a ton of time into that youth soccer team of a bunch of 10 year olds and, and like those memories I have are some of some of the best ones I have from my childhood yeah um and he was always there and like I, I took it for granted at the time but that's a ton of energy and time that he he put into us as, as a bunch of kids which I'm very thankful for looking back on yeah uh, one example that comes to mind now that you mentioned that is actually my brother um and I this will probably be the only time I ever say this, so I hope he <laughs> listens to this. But he, so him and I grew up playing a lot. Of, he's like four years older than me, and we play a lot of basketball together. And he definitely sacrificed uh, a lot of time growing up, like teaching me how to play. And it turned me into... Uh, well, I mean, with that, between that and how much time I put into it, uh, it definitely turned me into a really good player. And, um, 
I'm like actually way better than him, which is kind of nice. <laughs> but I wouldn't be if he didn't teach me what I was doing. You know, he definitely put in time and made an impact that way. Mm-hmm. So there you go, Ethan. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> the, the older brother. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, one last quote that I really liked. One last sentence. Um, it says, A show of interest, as with every other principle in human relations, must be sincere. Um, and I think that goes back to what we mentioned earlier about how it's easy to use most of the principles in this book um, manipulatively, if that's a word. But if you do any of these things with sincerity, um, and if you're actually trying to be interested in other people, um, it's going to work. You know, if you if you take this and and you're like, oh, I have to show interest in people to get them to like me. I can still be a selfish thing. And if it's still selfish and it's not genuine, it's not going to work. It's a weird paradox. Yeah. You're right. It is weird. Kind of cool though. Yeah. Um, But I think as, as we practice this and uh, try to show that genuine sincerity and a big part of that is as we talked about for a while is is dedicating your time and energy to people um i definitely think it works looking back at the instances in my life when i saw people use this principle yeah for sure the last i love looking at the last sentence sentences and in chapters and in books in general um i I've been writing the last sentence of these chapters for a while because um, they're just so freaking good, man. The last sentence in this chapter is, if you want others to like you, if you want to develop real friendships, if you want to help others at the same time as you help yourself, keep this principle in mind. Become genuinely interested in other people. Uh, That's such a like that's really what life is about is friendships and relationships that we have with people. Uh, without those life would be kind of have sucked, dude. Like once you realize that and realize this principle is how you make friends, you just kind of, even if you're bad at it, you kind of got to suck it up and, uh, just talk to other people, become interested in them. And I'm, I, I, have also realized that once you start talking to someone, there's always something that you can latch on to that you actually do think is cool and interesting. And then you, the conversation snowballs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that this principle, as you said, is, is um, definitely key to building good relationships and um, having good first impressions. And one thing my dad once said that had an impact on me, and it's basically what you just said, but it was kind of the first time in my life I'd, I'd heard it and thought about it. 
you said something along the lines of how um, friendship is is the essence of of life or something like that. I knew I, I had it memorized word for word at one point, but I haven't thought about it in a while. It had a, a pretty big impact on me because I'd never really thought about it that way. Because um, I think society teaches you a lot of times that success is like going to college and getting a good job and whatnot, but and making money. But I think I think this principle in the long term helps you be more successful financially too. But I definitely think being able to build those relationships and um, winning friends is what brings more happiness in life. And showing genuine interest in people is a major step in doing that. Yeah, I think so too. This is a good chapter, man. I don't have anything left to add. Me neither. So... Thanks for listening to this episode of Topical Brainstorm.